0: For Actong Earthlets, my name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 66th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where... Two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for July 1981, progs 219 to 222. This week we'll uh, conclude Portrait of a Mutant, the Mega Rackets roll on, the Jensen Gang strikes, and it's the return of Nemesis the Warlock. Credo! Yeah, (laughs) fuck yes yeah super exciting as we enter the second half of 1981 and all these new thrills start popping up and getting crazy
1: uh you know i uh, i'm really excited for (laughs) nemesis
0: yeah buddy well you know it's right at the end so we gotta get going starting with Thrill One strontium dog script robot for strontium dog is alan grant art robot carlos Escara. letting robot steve potter oh man
1: Oh damn it's a high speed chase let's watch some shit explode <laughs> yeah.
0: the mutant generals are in a stolen shuttle craft they're on the run from the evil creelers they get there's a bunch of uh, midair dog fighting but eventually they get shot down and make their escape into some nearby blast shelters but general
1: kind fatality of Cl- yeah
0: Clacton Fuzz is shot and goes down flaming shooting Creelers as he goes.
1: Dude, it's aw- he blows up a ship with a thwump gun from the ground. He's That's, awesome.
0: It's totally cool. Meanwhile, Studs voice is also dying. He's got a huge ship splinter in his gut.
1: Midden, <laughs> Face,
0: yeah, Midden Face wishes him well in a suitably incomprehensible manner. <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah,
1: and I love how he responds. He's like, thanks.
0: Thanks, Midden Face. Thank As I die, I am confused by your accent. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Nelson Bunker Creelman learns the truth of his daughter Ruth's involvement in Johnny Alpha, his own son's escape, and punishes and her harshly. And has
1: amazing constipation face because of it. Yeah,
0: just slaps her right in the face with his constipation face.
1: <laughs> Dude. Oh, yeah, no, he goes back home and beats his daughter. Yeah. A horrible dick.
0: Studs Boyce, another mutant general, is executed on the street by Creelers, who then lead a bloody reprisal on nearby mutants. And the generals make their way to Stonehenge to meet up with the remainder of the army. With it's pretty, pretty good meeting spot, yeah, in IMO. Very iconic. With all the mutants set to be executed, the only choice choices are to fight against the Creelers or lay down and die. And Johnny Alpha prefers to fight. Everyone else agrees. We'll give thy scuttering Creelers loudly and name a a stake. <laughs> says a uh, mitten face McNulty. Exactly.
1: In other words, no surrender as Johnny Alpha raises his gun to a giant scene of carnage. It's
0: so awesome. Yeah, the generals signed the Mutants Charter, which is basically a declaration oh, of independence yeah. for mutants.
1: They, I loved reading that. That was amazing. Yeah. It's
0: like all you know, humans and mutants are created equal, all that stuff. Uh, They then start leading just commando raids on the trains, leading to mutant death camps and just awesome action scenes. We see the mutant rebellion dragging on and public opinion getting lower and lower. Eventually, the prime minister and the king demand Creelman's resignation. And to get him to do so, they threaten to both expose Ruth's involvement in the escaping mutant generals and to expose Creelman's kinship with mutant leader Johnny Alpha. That yeah. would
1: ruin him Exactly. Grr, I can't be an evil Nazi If you do that
0: <laughs> Let's go home Ruth
1: I'm not going home I'm emigrating with Nigel Who's
0: Nigel? <laughs> exactly Creelman uh, resigns And the PM goes to negotiate With the mutant generals They, uh, The offer is basically An end to mutant extermination camps Disbanding the Creelers And the establishment of mutant areas And all towns For mutants to live normal lives
1: Oh man, my favorite part of this is like so. There's this section where it's like, as promised, the sinister Creelers, uh, Creelers, Nelsons, Creelman, quasi official, anti yeah. squad are disbanded, and then it shows the, this lineup of guys, and then yeah. just below that, it's like it's a like, new police this new force is established. Created. Same dudes, <laughs> exact same dudes.
0: Yeah, you know that's sort of the reaction. I mean, I. Um, yeah, they sort of the the generals agree to all this stuff, and the only thing is that I guess most of the mutant army guys have to basically leave, have to go off world essentially, they have to emigrate off yeah. the planet Earth. But yeah, I think this is a good realistic kind of end to this thing. You know, like, yeah. like we've seen this before that just because they've won doesn't mean that everything's you know cool and happy for mutants. You know, the the fight for their civil rights continues on, and they remain a very much an, an oppressed minority. You know,
1: big time, um. and uh, like. A bunch of the dudes they settle in different ways or go adrift but most of them uh, the at least the hardiest uh, yeah. end up going to the galactic crime commission where the search and destroy agents are created yeah
0: they become bounty hunters
1: known as strontium Dugs. <laughs> and god even the racism is out here i mean we've already seen it but yeah. it's just like oh it's like you'll probably get killed in the line of duty, but that can't be that bad. I'm like, yeah, it's, shit, it's, inexcep- man, like- it's
0: it's inescapable. It's, it's pretty, it's like, it's an awesome just like way, like like choice to present these characters and stuff. It's not like they become strontium dogs and then they become the galaxy's heroes. They become the strontium dogs and they remain like hated and feared and stuff. It's cool. In like I, a, well, like sort a of, or, or a real, yeah. it's realistic and that's interesting, yeah. I guess. That's yeah, what yeah, I mean yeah. to say. Of course. So, we finish the flashback portion of our story at the grave of Diana Creelman, Johnny and Ruth's mother, and Nelson's wife. She just wasted away after the news of Johnny's sentence. The father and son swap threats. Johnny calls his father mad and wishes he had killed him when he had the chance. Well, now we're in the present, and that chance is here.
1: So, what does he do? Load a fucking, like number four cartridge yeah
0: Johnny and Wolf assault Creelman's base they use like beam polarizers to nullify the attacks of the goons inside the fortress and Johnny just starts blasting holes in their fortifications with with number four cartridges. The- and they
1: just say, they're just like, oh, bail. Yeah, you can, you can have it. And, <laughs> we- and in the background, Wolf and Gronk are just like, well, let's crack a cold one because Johnny's doing this by himself. Hey, this is
0: uh, when you go to kill your father. That's a solo mission, buddy.
1: <laughs> just like how they're like, let's get drunk. Yeah.
0: But so with the mercenaries all deserted, Johnny runs in to sh- do a showdown with his father one on one. Um, But now that sort of the tide has turned, Creelman isn't so tough. He begs for his life. He tries to appeal to Johnny's sentimentality, like, I'm your father. Don't kill your own dad. And as Johnny lists Creelman's crimes, the 35,000 died in the mutant death camps, the thousands more killed of starvation and disease in the mutant ghettos. Nelson Creelman can just only uh, uh, stand on his knees and and whimper. Please don't let me die. Johnny decides that death is too easy for Creelman, and instead hits him with a time trap. Creelman will relive these last few seconds, the horror and terror of his final moments before his own son guns him down forever. Just he's on, uh, on a loop, basically. Horrific. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty ridiculous. Johnny walks out, says they won't be collecting the bounty, and the team rides off. Only Creelman's final words, Please don't let me die. Remain on the wind. I, it's... The end of Portrait of a Mutant! Oh, man!
1: Holy shit. Like, I'm surprised he didn't, like, mind-screw him with alpha brain eyes, Mm -hmm. but also, this is, like, like, damn. I, like, you're, you're waiting for this moment for him to just like ice his dad and the way he does it is like cold baby but yeah like i get it man (laughs) it's
0: pretty awesome i gotta say but yeah so that's it for portrait of a mutant man we've been doing this thing since like prog 200 basically um although there's been some gaps in there along the way of course this Mm -hmm. is a great story it's so awesome um and johnny alpha will return in prog 224 so not too long from now
1: so I had to, I was thinking about this as I was reading it through, mm-hmm. like I'm, it's hard to rank strontium dog comics, right? Like against each other, cause mm-hmm. they're all very like well-crafted, but like, obviously when we came in, it was, uh, strontium dogs and hell, right?
0: Right. I mean, eventually. I, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how this kind of stacks up against that. Cause I, to me, they're two very different beasts. Like I, I feel hell like it was just such a funny, weird, yeah. wacky thing and this is such a like serious backstory, not just for Johnny but for the Strontium Dogs themselves.
0: Yeah, I think of the, th- you know, all three of the big Strontium Dog stories we've seen so far have all kind of been their, their own thing, right? Yeah. There was the Journey to Hell, which I agree sort of had some serious and sort of some interesting action moments, but also had a lot of humor and a lot of sort of other stuff going on. There's certainly humor in, for- in, 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 in Portrait of a Mutant, you know, the different mutant generals... Um, you know, stuff like the torso or midden face and all those guys, but yeah, it, it is way serious, you know, and then the, it, you know, also sort of a little bit more on the humorous side was that, uh, was the Schickel Gruber grab where they went mm. back and got Hitler and stuff, which it wasn't as long as Journey to Hell or, um, or Portrait of a Mutant, but I think it's still sort of, I feel like the third of the big strong team dog stories we've seen, oh, yeah. you know? So like one is sort of go- is is uh, Johnny and Wolf sort of in a strange place, sort of dealing with strange situations. That's sort of hell. Um, yeah. Then the th- th- or journey to hell, I guess. Then portrait of a mutant is sort of its own thing, just being the backstory of this character and stuff. So it's sort of a unique thing. And then. The Schickle Gruber Grab is more sort of standard strontium dog, like sort Mm. of these guys bounty hunting, fighting um, fighting aliens and other strontium dogs, or uh, lawbreakers and having uh, crazy hijinks and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then gambling for a long time
0: (laughs) right well but i mean you know but this is just sort of a, you know this one was more serious i think but also really just sort of did so much to establish the world of strontium Mm. dog the character of johnny alpha and all that stuff it's just it's super essential you know
1: yeah it's just i guess every time i read these i'm never fucking dissatisfied absolutely Um, and and it's the range that i'm impressed with you know like I think Judge Dredd, as an example, because that's, a to me, a good counterpoint to, um, mm-hmm. like, in how they're different, right? Hmm. Um, they do similar world building. Yeah. But I think that uh, Judge Dredd is funny, but his range generally is, like, very, um, not negative, because that's not no. the right word. No, I,
0: yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, but I think, I think one of the great things, one of the things I love about 2000 AD is their ability to have... Especially these reoccurring characters, often yeah. written by the same people, but still have, you know, similar themes, but very different themes and way of going about it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, man, I, I hope it comes back soon. I love Spider-Man. Yeah,
0: 224, so it'll be back next episode.
1: Fuck yeah, bud.
0: Yeah, man. So, speaking of things coming back, Fox. Oh, shit. Let's go to Thrill 2 Mean Arena. The script robot for Mean Arena is Tom Tully, art robot Steve Dillon, letter robot Peter Knight.
1: Now, let's get introduced to the Malicious Seven.
0: Hey, I like these Jensen dudes, man. We open up with the seven Jensen uh, cousins heading out out to take down Matt Talon. They decide to do it at the Slater's Slayers practice yard, so they head to a sporting goods store to get some street football gear. You know, we get close-ups of a couple of the cousins here. There's Crophead, who's got kind of a Mr. T haircut. There's sadistic lady Ruth. There's Hunk, who's a big old hairy chested mustache dude. And Zip, who's a guy with his mouth sewed shut. And, like, I'd say of these guys, I'd say, like, Zip and Jarl, who's sort of the leader of the pack, really look like sort of... uh Really have sort of an art style that look really similar when Steve Dillon starts doing Preacher and stuff in about like twenty, you know, in like fifteen years or something like that. Oh,
1: damn! Cool. that's, like th- that's pretty awesome. Like,
0: like Zip's got a very sort of Preacher look to him, if just because of his mouth uh, sewed shut. And then I Zip was my favorite character. And then Jara I'm looks bugging. like one of those one of uh what's his name the main one, one of Jesse's like cousins in uh, Preacher and stuff. But anyhow. <laughs>
1: Um, I like Hazel. Hazel's yeah.
0: cute. there's cute. Yeah, there's also Jaro Max and Foxfave Hazel. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hashtag Foxfave.
0: Yeah. Hey, do what you want, buddy. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> they take all the gear and then shoot the, sto- the store owner in the chest. Um, and he yeah. has just enough strength to call the Slayers and warn Talon about the approaching Jensen's.
1: He's kind of jacked up. And, like, the message gets to him and then everyone's like, nah, man, I'm going to bail. Yeah, the even. G- especially
0: jt of course um even like the security guards at the uh, at the at the complex yeah. and um team medic local annie uh,
1: yeah, she's like yeah you know you can just deal with it aren't you supposed to be like a super guy or whatever i'm please? trying not to
0: die dude uh, so talon yeah. thinks this whole thing is pretty similar to that movie high noon and then the jensen's attack
1: Dude, uh, they don't just attack. They break a wall, shooting it and axing it.
0: And they shout, we're here because we're here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, is that like a thing?
0: I don't know. It it wasn't familiar to me, but who's to say. Uh, The Jensen's enter, enter the training complex. Talon starts sending out robot training dummies to attack them, but the Jensen's make quick work of them. Talon, still thinking of the movie High Noon, grabs all of his street football gear and rolls out. The, uh, the Jensen's are searching the area when Max, the one with the hat, uh, picks yeah. up a ball rolling towards him. It's got a limpet mine attached. Max Dude. is blown away.
1: <laughs> the amount of times a limpet mine is used in the next couple of like issues is amazing. <laughs> they're,
0: they're a key street a football mine. piece of gear. Yeah. Yeah. So the score is now Talon 1, Jensen 0, and they're playing on his turf.
1: Get it because it's a sports comic, kind of.
0: <laughs> the cat and mouse game continues as Jensen, as the Jensen start to spread out and become more susceptible to Talon's attack. Talon takes takes down Hunk with a punch to the, with a deadly punch to the face. Dude and Crophead with a Screamer Boomerang. The talent's town, uh, really doing like a lot of murdering and hysterical laughing during all this, Fox, which I would say is not <laughs> a super good guy move, just in terms of what good guys do, but whatever. I
1: mean, he is, by fact, on a murder vendetta. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, I just, I don't know. At this point, I mean, we'll get to it at the end, but I, just stop. After, like, half of you have died, Right, huh. and you're all you're all family yeah. your, anyway.
0: So it's three zero for Talon now. Talon taunts the Jensens and runs, while with a cunning Jarl Jensen shooting the masonry above Talon. Matt is confused by the sudden appearance of a flying robot and then gets tagged by the rubble. He's trapped underneath it and at the Jensen's mercy.
1: Hooray! We. Gotta we've gotta got win, right, guys?
0: Yeah. No. So as that robot looks on, Jarl Jensen drives a nearby bulldozer to crush Town completely, but a <laughs> well-timed limpet mine blinds Jensen <laughs> and sends him careening into his own family. Oh no!
1: Oh my god, this bulldozer's gonna crush two women at once.
0: Crushes a lot of people. Only Jarl and Matt remain, and while things look bad for Talon, timely intervention from a training droid piloted by local Annie allows him to take Jensen down. It also does, in fact, look like the two female Jensen survive. And we meet reporter Sheena Lloyd, who owns that robot camera thing that distracted Talon. She wants an interview, but she'll have to get in line because it looks like the future cops have just shown up.
1: I mean, that's what happens when there's a bunch of shooting and explosions coming from an area of the city.
0: And a fair (laughs) amount of murders, yeah. Next time, street brother.
1: So, I I like... I, it's okay. So this was all great because it, it was like quick murder and some stuff going on mm-hmm. and weird. Yeah. Um, damn, there are just no sports going on. In yeah, no, this is arena. just sort of
0: like again. You know, we're sort of past that sports stuff. We we might get yeah. some back later, but for now, this is just sort of a revenge story, and that's you know that's fine. I'm not too. Yeah. I'm not stressed about I'm, it.
1: I'm glad that it's embraced it. Uh, it definitely feels a little bit more Western inspired at this point. It just happens yeah. to wear the the letterman's jacket of sports right yeah yeah let's the territory yeah.
0: we should definitely try to grade this thing for what it's putting out there instead of some yes. idealized um other thing i'll say that exactly
1: for sure. that's that's exactly what i uh, i guess like i'm going for at this yeah. point this is now a full-on vendetta story the murder was great two deaths by limpet minds i'm down
0: well yeah one death and one blinding that caused oh, yeah, like yeah. two death that that, that, that that caused a death i'd say because one guy got killed by that bulldozer. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> speaking of some excellent deaths, let's go to Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Script robot for Judge Dredd, John Wagner and Alan Grant, uh, writing as T.B. Grover, art robot Colin Wilson, Ian Gibson, Ron Smith, letter robot Tom Frame. Oh, baby Tom. <laughs> so dread leads a one-man attack on the on a moped which is one of those big mobile homes that sort of travel around Mega City one's highway it contains the mobile computing hacky team hacking team of lumpy lepke's numbers racket
1: i really love the color pages for this
0: yeah it's awesome just dread f- like just jumping off his law master and just flying through the air onto this big moped and stuff
1: Man, that lawmaster really just gets <laughs> trashed a lot. You know,
0: Dredd's got a lot of bikes. I don't think he really pays it. He has one specific one that he uses because he doesn't really take care of them like he only no. gets one. You know what I mean? Exactly. So Dredd takes control of the moped and has Judge Professor Burroughs t- uh, in turn take control of the hacking system. So it seems like the hack, like this uh, this numbers system is mostly used... To like order stuff from different companies to then sell them, sell it on the black market essentially. Mm-hmm. So Burroughs sort of f- increases the factor of that stuff by a, f- or increases the speed of these programs by a factor of 20. So suddenly just huge Ill- illegal shipments are sort of pouring out of companies and going to Lepke's warehouses. They can't handle the influx and it looks real like suspicious in terms of we're going to arrest some guys, you know?
1: Exactly. It's like, what the. Stop all this from happening. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, especially then, when, when Lebke asks the guys to quit it, and the and the uh, moped uh, guys insult Lepke and tell him to get lost. I mean, at, like at at Judge, judge gunpoint. gunpoint. Yeah, but still, you know. <laughs> so
1: Le- he's not real happy. Yeah, he's a really gross-looking dude. By the he's way, he's really
0: just like <clears throat> the, you know a concentrate. It's like a uh, Colin Wilson doing his best. Um, uh, Doing his best Ron Smith here to make a really ugly uh, uh, crime boss.
1: Oh, my God. So,
0: Lepke leads a giant hit on the moped, incriminating himself, and it gets shot by a heat seeker when he tries to escape from the judges.
1: Mind uh, you, when he says, like, an attack, it's like a giant armored moped, his flying vehicle, and, like, five other yeah. little flying cars with it, dudes all in the shooting. A, yeah, it's, it's a, like a pretty awesome...
0: Over- Giant mob hit, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, this is the racket that's been taken down the most, but there's still tons of number rackets out there, FYI. So now we go to our last mega racket, the Stooky Glanders. So... Oh, this was... Sad. Super sad, man. Yes, the gland of a, of a stooky alien apparently delays aging in human in humans. So there's a huge market for them in Mega City 1, but they're illegal because you can't you because it's illegal to, you know, use stuff harvested from sentient beings, essentially.
1: Plus, they're super cute. I yeah. mean, other than the weird hole in their face. but well, yeah, but know.
0: listen, I mean, you know, it's not like you don't use animal products that come from super cute animals. The difference is that these ones are sentient.
1: Um <laughs> I mean that's I guess <laughs>
0: <laughs> We open on a hover, on a hover truck entering the city, a Stuokie escapes and demands asylum, and the judges take the truck out. The driver's able to warn the syndicate ahead of time though, and we learn the sad story of stookie Glanding, how these Stookies are basically these nice, peaceful, sentient aliens that just get kidnapped and are forced to breed and then be slaughtered for their glands. It's really sad because the Stookies are like, hey, like, you know, we don't really want to be in this uh, in this Stookie farm. I'd, ra- I'd rather not be killed for my glands, if at all possible. And all the farms are like, get in there, you. We're taking they your glands.
1: Meat hooks, and they yeah. like get conveyed to a thing. And the next like scene is just little glands going yeah. down a chute.
0: The the escaped Stukey asks for Dread help, like holding his hand when he asks. It's ridiculously sad. Oh, and he tells Dread he has a map. So, Dred takes the Stuokie for routine medical um, examination. He's put in a decontamination shower to remove some radiation, but the shower is so hot that it boils the Stukey alive. It turns out that a delegation, including a counselor, Rudd, was, was visiting the station, and Rudd accidentally, quote-unquote, turned up the heat on the shower. All seems lost until the judges shave the Stukey and find the map tattooed on his body
1: i I love the reasoning from Judge Fourth. He's like he he didn't have anything on him. don't know what made me think to shave him.
0: <laughs> you know I, I just... mean these judges might not always be the best guys. that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> 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 the judges pile into an H wagon and head out to attack the farm. <laughs> hit. <'em! laughs>
1: Dude, so, and when they when he says hit him, I mean these guys are like just immediately dying.
0: Yeah, man, it's an all-out assault in the Stookie farm. Judges are blowing dudes away, and Dread is mobbed by friendly Stookies, and Dredd's Like, get in your pens until this is over. He <laughs> assaults a lot,
1: Dread. All of the <laughs> nice things are like, hey, and he's like, get go, get out of here. I
0: got to kill some dudes. Dread assaults the slaughterhouse. He rides into the floor into the killing floor on a meat hook, he blasts a stooky glander right into a big grinder machine, and the judges oh, are like, well, no paperwork for that guy, alright. <laughs> <laughs> High five. <laughs> it turns out that farm management escaped soon before the bust. Dread is made an honorary stookie by the stookies that they saved, and he she tries to, yeah, to yeah, and he tries to find the farm bosses, but it's no use. However, he is able to, t- to determine that Counselor Rudd was the informant and a crime blitz finds a thousand Stooky capsules in his apartment. He's actually 80 years old!
1: You might want to hide those or something, right? Like, don't keep them in your house. (laughs) Seriously,
0: Dread tosses them into the cubes for a year on a possession charge. Oh, this
1: is like the first time we see these. Yeah,
0: I I, I had forgotten that they did this. This is a rare look at the ISO cubes. Um, Yeah, and the years rapidly catch up to them. He suddenly becomes within like a course of a couple days, becomes an eighty-year-old man. And yeah, we get a a cool look at the ISO cubes in here. They've got an awesome checkerboard ceiling for some reason. (laughs) And then we go to the final Mega Racket, which I don't know if this really is a, a, you know, they call it a racket, but I'd say it's different because it's Mob War. We open with a bunch of uh, mob blitzers attacking a tower in the alien quarter of town, but they're easily fought off by robed aliens with bald silver heads and deadly finger beams. Pretty cool. The day of the Mob Racketeers is finished and the Mofioso are taking over or so they say at least, the Mofio are energy-based aliens that have recently arrived in Mega City 1 and are intent on taking over organized crime in the city. They hire Hermie Gans, a perp runner boss, to be their mouthpiece. He calls a meeting of the rackets and explains the situation and is sort of swiftly uh, beaten up and kicked out. The next day, several big crime leaders are found dead, including a Jong family member from the Umpty Baggers and one of the top body sharks. It's a mob war coming. Dredd investigates the blitzer attack that we saw at the start of this one and um, finds all the blitzers dead at the hands of the Mofiosi. And they claim it was all in self defense. It's hard to uh, disagree with them. Dread agrees and lets them off with a warning.
1: I mean, it's pretty accurate.
0: Later that day, the head of the heads of all the rackets come to Dread, demanding protection from these crime invaders. <laughs> and Dread's like, "Get out of here! I don't want to protect criminals. This is that's this ridiculous question, dude." The uh, the law computer reminds Dread that he can just deport the Mophios at any time. But Dread's like, "Yeah." Just let this, uh, mob war play out a little bit more, let fire fight fire a bit before I kick everybody out of here.
1: It's so fucking like, oh my god.
0: Uh, Next week, the mob war intensifies! And then, and then other stuff that I'm extremely excited about, Fox.
1: I just, man, dread that's cold as ice.
0: Hey man, dread knows what's best for this city, and sometimes what's best for this city is a giant mob war, dude. Pfft. It's I'm fair. I
1: hmm. yeah, might as well, uh, I don't know, take these guys out with a bang.
0: Well, first, let's cool things out, Fox. Get to our second half with Non-Thrills, Covers, and Nerve Center. So, real quick, uh, 219, Colin Wilson draws his first 2080 cover. J- Dread Stumgash the Mopad. It's Traffic Duty Mega City One style.
1: It's pretty awesome. Just jumping on top of a moped, going to kick some ass. Totally.
0: Yeah, so we get some, uh, some more 2001 reader profiles. I'm now sort of entering all these names to Google and seeing if anything comes up right away. I'm pretty sure one reader profile is by this guy, Mark Pilkington, who will become a writer, musician, and general appreciator of weird stuff. Tharg also publishes a bunch of Mean Arena teams designed by readers. Uh, I
1: liked the uh the lizards. The Liverpool yeah. Lizards. Liz-
0: Liverpool lizards were good. I'm a little bit more questionable about the Dartford darts, which are a little bit more uh, KKK than I'd really like them to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> made me a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. But I, I like the lizards, they have uh, su- uh, suckers on their on their gloves and boots to allow them to lizard climb places and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh the nerve centers hosted by Oliver Tharg, like Oliver like uh Oliver and Hardy or whatever.
1: Mm. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> And uh, it features art of an alien, an atomic centaur, and uh, something else called, and an alien that's called just Earth 2000 AD, as well as a King Seth picture.
1: All Uh, I'm saying is atomic centaurs. I didn't even think these could possibly exist. Centaurs are awesome. Looks a little galactic. It looks
0: good. It it looks a little Tracy to me. I gotta say. Oh Um,
1: sure, like horse body, you know.
0: Tharg also plugs something I think is a little kind of weird, which are these uh, Forbidden Planet sort of third party collections of Dread comics. Like, hmm. you know, this comic book basically just put out sort of a, a proto graphic novel of a bunch of Brian Ball and Judge Dread comics that they sort of sold and were advertised in 2000 AD, but not actually made by like IPC or whatever. I don't know. Oh,
1: weird.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of positive letters this week, including several talking about bringing thrill power to other countries. Uh, this prog ends with a bunch of color alien pictures from readers. Remember that 1981 is the year of the alien. I like the Galakon Warriors because they look like a, a robot modern dance <laughs> troop, kind of doing crazy moves at the camera.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> they're, uh, they're a dance troop. I... I don't know, the other ones look a little doofy, so...
0: Yeah, these ones are very kid, kid-drawn, if you ask me. They've got the Which, ridiculousness. It's a good thing. Yeah, uh. I'm not against it. It's just like, you know, also, like, ah, sometimes they're just like, you know, they'll blow you away. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, in 220, it's no surrender. Portrait of a mutant nears its chill-powered climax. Carlos is scared with a phenomenal Young Johnny Alpha cover. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, reader profiles include one for a young Warren Ellis making a second appearance on the show. The Nerve centers hosted by the Meltdown Tharg and has pictures of an Alphanian warrior and a jump scooter, a giant-footed Judge Dredd McMahon style, and
1: a robot <laughs> named Eon. I liked Eon. Yeah. I didn't notice until you mentioned it that his feet were super big. You got
0: big old feet, buddy. <laughs> That's how McMahon does it. Letters and it's 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 good. I like it. I know. I enjoy his feet. I think it's fun. Uh, Letters include a a recipe for ridiculous alien food. Requests for more ABC warriors. Yes, agree. Yes. And a guy asking for no more anti-Earthlet letters because they waste space. That could be done talking about the actual comic. And he also wants Tharg to drop the whole, like, I'm an alien editor with a bunch of robots who make this comic. And I say boo to that. I like the, uh, the er narrative of this whole thing being made by, by robots and an alien and stuff. That's, I find, Man, I, I think that's a, funny.
1: What a party pooper.
0: Definite party pooper um also one of the letters requests and the f- special folders to organize progs into and this will in fact later become a product that tharg will offer uh people who who, who write into 2000 ad That's neat. yeah and 221 judge this ian gibson draws dread taking down those evil stooky glanders in the nerve center tharg the Scot. In a very nice picture, that's almost certainly just two different things being traced and matched together. <laughs> I,
1: it's so beautiful. He's just it's doing a really full good. motion dance. Yeah,
0: Tharg laments the end of portrait of a mutant, but also plugs the start of Nemesis next Prague. A letter requests a new Prague because the writer is disintegrated when he read it when he read it in the bath. Don't do that, man. I've seen these progs in this era, and they're basically just newspapers. Like you don't want to get those things wet because they'll just fall apart.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a great idea.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tharg says he should get a hat that identifies him as a Grexnik, so everybody can be aware of it. (sighs) Grexniks, of course, being Tharg for jerk. Um, Prog 222, Kev O'Neill asks, Are you pure? Now says the warlock begins!
1: Dude, it's important to be pure. Totally. It's important to purify. Yeah.
0: In the nerve center, Tharg plugs the start of Nemesis. Leaders discuss Rubik's Cubes, which they call Rubik Cubes with a C, which is not what they're called, buddy. That's uh, weird. Tharg says that he prefers the 17 by 45 by 83 version of, uh, of a Rubik's Cube, although that's still pretty simple for his mighty intellect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another reader calls out a typo in that Queen Elizabeth future shock from, like, an episode or two ago, mostly about how 1563 would be the 16th century, not the 15th
1: century. Okay, buddy.
0: Yeah, again, you know, I, I guess these typos, things are good. But it's also, like, you know, you can, te- you can feel the air of superiority in these 12-year-old kids being like, <laughs> I found a problem with your comic. <laughs> I hope someone got fired for that mistake. Like, okay, buddy. <laughs>
1: just glasses and look down nose. Exactly.
0: So let's get, let's pick things back up with some crazy tales of the future, Fox.
1: It's time for Thrill for Future Shocks. Let's get weird with uh, Alan Moore. As always, yeah.
0: First up is uh, They Sweep the Spaceways. Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Gary Leach, learning robot Steve Potter. So, this is a weird-ass story about, like, uh, galactic <laughs> management, focusing on the transgalactic garbled disposal core, mostly made up of, like, giant, like, I mean, like, sun-sized immortal space monsters who are basically space janitors, Fox. They uh, travel around, replacing burnt-out suns, spackling over black holes, and exterminating civilizations that show up. Um, Just
1: gotta gotta spray him with some (laughs) Bitbop.
0: The whole thing turns out to be a big commercial for Big Bang, a new space cleaning product. (laughs) And at the end, there's also an employment form you can fill out, you know, just in case you happen to be 870,000 miles in height with a cheerful disposition and an indefinite lifespan.
1: Oh my god. (laughs) It's pretty, pretty weird stuff.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. I think it's fun, just in like a yeah. hey, here's like a weird world I've created. Check it out, you know. Which I feel it's like pretty, is very. I think it's
1: creative. Yeah, yeah.
0: Th- very Alan Moore, of Future Shock. Honestly, next up, it's a uh, hen pecked Harry uh, script robot Steve Moore art robot Jose Casanovas, lettering robot Steve Potter. I love Casanova's art, man. It's really distinctive. You know, he did yeah. that Max Normal story and the Dread Annual yes. and stuff. You it's really, really see great. it. Great. Yeah. Plus, this, you
1: get the recurring angry wife character.
0: Well, this story is pretty bullshit, if you ask me. Um, Thank you. <laughs> a scientist guy is henpecked by his wife, Matilda, mostly because he forgot her 48th birthday. He's an amateur dick scientist, dick though.
1: Move. What? That's a dick move, man. Yeah. Don't forget your wife's birthday. Mm.
0: And then, well, okay. he He's an amateur scientist. He builds a projector that allows him to travel into a different reality, like a parallel world. Um He quickly, just on the side of the road, meets a beautiful 24-year-old lady named Melissa. They're swiftly married. Things seem great, especially because in this world, women are the ones who have jobs and, like, work and men stay home all day. (laughs) But 18 months later, she's putting on some pounds, and Henry realizes that a year is only a month long on this reality. Soon, Melissa is also 48 and yelling at him constantly to escape his new hen-pecking wife. He builds another reality projector, goes to another world, and meets another pretty lady on the side of the road, this one named Marina, and marries her. Well, but, I
1: guess why not? Let's get married right now. She knows a great hotel for the honeymoon.
0: It turns out that while there are 365 days in a year on this reality Each day is only three hours long. Two years later, Marina is 48 and yelled at him as well. All women are terrible. Bam, bam, bam.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it definitely didn't feel like, you know, we've had these readers write in that are just like, hey, you know, I'm a girl. I like your comic. Why aren't there more girl things? And this is just like hating. It's real hate.
0: We make you a comic, but you're gonna grow up and just henpeck us and yell at us for being terrible. And like, all I'm saying is I see a similar a similarity in all of these relationships Henry has Fox, and that similarity is Henry. So, you know yeah. think oh, about uh, that. <laughs> Next up like
1: yeah.
0: Next up it's about script robot Calvin Gosnell, uh-huh. art robot Eric Bradbury, Letting Robot Tony Jacob. Oh my god, this one's full of words, Fox, it's terrible. Thank-
1: So, first that, and also life. This is, like, actually fucking terrifying to me. Yeah, it's
0: good. So, a scientist has discovered alien life on planet Earth. He goes to make first contact, but instead is killed. The, uh, The police investigate. They find that the scientist has been shot, strangled, and stabbed all at the same time. What could have done this? after some investigating the police find fingerprints and they bring in a thief that was apparently outside the window casing the joint at the time of the crime but he seems to be mad with terror and grief he saw the old man die and it's broken his mind the uh police investigator later finds the police forensic examiner dead of the same causes as the scient- as the uh, as a scientist guy and um the Thief guy jumps from a window killing himself in blind terror
1: It's like holy crap death count three so far yeah. by the, way.
0: the policeman listens to the scientists tapes and he realizes the truth The aliens have infiltrated us they're all they're in our midst perfectly camouflaged. Capable of stabbing and strangling someone at the same time. They're a thing that's in all of our houses that just appeared maybe 50 years ago. No Uh. one buys them. No one knows a factory where they're made. They just appear, and every time you count them, there's a different number. It's wire hangers. They're murderous aliens. Joan Crawford was right. Bam, bam, bam.
1: my God, I love this. Uh, anyway, this is- there's just this scene of wire hangers loosing themselves on this man, like shooting towards him and strangling and stabbing him. It's horrible. It's
0: awesome, yeah. You, it, it's a super kids view of wire hangers, which I really love. You know, because like,
1: Everyone knows where they
0: Because like, I've bought hang I've bought coat hangers. I see them for sale in the store, you know, or you get them for when you get dry cleaning. And there's definitely factories that make wire hangers. You can find. uh you know, if you look hard enough, you, you, you can find YouTube videos of, of of a machine sort of bending wire into hangers and stuff, and that's kind of neat. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, the final pictures of the wire hangers murdering that police detective are pretty terrifying.
1: It <laughs> like, fucking freaks me the hell out, like, man. I'm legit like, I'm
0: terrifying, which is Jim rare wire. in a future shock. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's legit terrifying, which is rare in a future shock for sure.
1: You know what else is rare in a future shock? One mm. that's a page and a half.
0: Yeah. The, the, our final one's uh, Diversion, which is a nice little one and a half pager. Scripted by Kelvin Gosnell, art robot Colin Wilson, learning robot T- uh, Tony Jacob. So a uh, space shuttle pursues a flight of UFOs, basically only to find that they've left a big avoid uh, road sign on the dark side of the moon. All the aliens hate Earth because of our nukes and our willingness to use them.
1: And once again, 2000 AD hits the checkbox of we don't like nuclear bombs. I mean, you which know, I mean, you fair, know, I honestly, think that's a great lesson.
0: I'm not a fan yeah. of nukes, whatever. Yeah, Let's they keep us those. safe, but still, <laughs> by by God. Um, oh, also on the on the bottom <laughs> half of this page. There's a uh, Rojaws review for the English version of the book Free Stuff for Kids, which is basically a book of, like, services and organizations that you can write to and get things sent to you, like badges and booklets or, like, seeds or, like, little, like, promotional comics and things like that. Oh, that's neat. I mean, it's – look, later this stuff would all be championed in the U.S. by uh, this guy Matthew Lesko, who was a dude that did late-night infomercials wearing a suit covered in question marks. And, oh yeah, and I Ask
1: Lesko! Yeah,
0: and I'm not a fan of that guy because he's one. He's a foundational part of uh, why in modern American comics uh, everybody thinks that the government just has a billions of dollars left lying around to fund bullshit stuff, and does hates the government. But that's a topic for another
1: day. Uh, and an aside, since we're talking about a little tiny piece there, uh, there's there's a bunch of. Um, uh, like advertisements throughout most of these for Time Bandits, mm. which is an amazing fucking film. If you guys haven't seen it, I mean, I guess if we have British listeners. It's more likely because it's like jean Cleese and Sean Connery and stuff. Yeah, but Time Bandits is yeah. good.
0: Absolutely, strong. Agree. Yeah, way better yeah. than than Clash of the Titans, which is also the the the, the big oh, movie yeah. we're seeing uh, advertised in the course of this uh, of of these progs. Clash <laughs> of the Titans is poopy. But speaking of Titans clashing, Fox let's oh, go snap to thrill five meltdown
1: man god things are getting real weird and yeah
0: script robot alan hebden art robot national bellardinelli letting robot um that's not right hold on a second oh god damn okay. it conrad
1: oh it's tom frame it is Oh, it's T-Frame. Lettering Robot nice. Tom Frame. Ro- lettering Robot <laughs> Tom Frame. <laughs> I, w- I, was,
0: I, was, I was. I thought it was Tony. Like it been to- it's, it's, it's been someone else previously, I know. Whatever. Anyhow, the <laughs> Super UG is I-beaming Liana, Fox. I'm going to leave this in because that's embarrassing. Lack of credit stuff for me. Um, oh, <laughs> it's I-beaming Liana. There's nothing Nick Stone can do about it. Meanwhile, in UG Jail, Louie and T-Bone recruit a nearby Rhino Man to help them escape. The oh, Rhino... Dude.
1: Rhino Man's great. Yeah,
0: the Rhino starts a fight with Polax, and when the guards come to break it up, he takes out the guards. Our guys escape, they leave Polax behind, though the Bear Brigand is in fact able to escape soon after they leave.
1: Which, I like, damn.
0: Yeah, this trio of freaking giant Hoss UGs breaks through into the research <laughs> center, using the Rhino's knowledge of the center's air ducts. They try to enter smoothly, but end up falling through the air duct system, eventually landing right on top of the Super UG. Time to act fast.
1: So, it all it works out. Like, that's the thing. They're like, oh, this will be simple, and it'll be fine. And then they fuck up, and then it's great.
0: Yeah. There's a big melee as our heroes reunite and then escape into the research facility. Um, after Stone, like, guns down the Super UG, they... Their path takes them into a warehouse full of thousands of super UGs, oh, man. and they're like not, not being built; they're like ready to deploy at a moment's notice.
1: Oh. And, and it's, that, it's that machine that's on top of the place is just Bellaradinelli's. Like, I love when yeah. he does organic. It's um, like a
0: big Bellaradinelli uh, like panopticon kind of thing. It's crazy.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and they're also gearing up production for millions more super UGIs. Everyone escapes into the sewers, and Stone empties his AK into a screaming horde of Super UGs. It's pretty amazing. They steal toboggans and slide down the hills of Snow City, eventually hijacking a chopper and flying off as a rampaging horde of Super UG mutants follow after them
1: yeah let's get out of here because this is getting real not great yeah
0: man the super yuji's attack snow city to uh quote unquote restore order and man they're <laughs> weird looking like everyone's or like it, 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 it seems like there's always one that's got like a thin body and a giant elephant head on top of it and that one creeps me out the most
1: Oh, big time. And then uh, the most heinous action ever committed by a human being happens. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Shar has two Super Yuji bodyguards, and that offends Tiger Commander. And Shar's like, who cares about you, Tiger Commander? You're old news, and pushes him away.
1: Dude, because he's like, uh, he didn't even like get pissed at Shar, He's just like, you know, I've served you pretty well. You don't need these guys. And he's like, get the fuck out. Tiger Commander. God damn it. I hope he double crosses him.
0: Man, he better. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, meanwhile, aboard the, that Yuji pirate ship where Gruff and Billy the Pup are galley slaves, uh, mm. it turns out that the rhino pirate is the brother of the rhino that's helping the team. And while our guys try to fly out to meet them, this freaks out the pirates. and f- They force the slaves to row faster, and they toss Billy over the side when he complains.
1: And then massive cr- Creepy-ass sharks yeah. are, like, coming after them. They've Sh- got, like, bore mouths.
0: <laughs> sharks? Yeah, Stone saves the tracker from the horrors of a UGC, and they all prepare to head down to the pirate settlement to meet with the pirates, only to see that the hills above them are crawling with them super UGs. Freep town. Yeah. We finish it off. The team runs... Uh, they run from the approaching super UGS. They steal aboard the rhinos' brothers' ship, and I'm super pissed that we don't have names for these rhino dudes. Especially yeah, as awesome. the yeah, especially as the two sh- uh, scuffle, the two rhino brothers scuffle, go overboard, and basically sink to their deaths because rhinos can't swim. <laughs>
1: It's just like well, okay, I, these characters are now gone. Yeah, it's
0: the throwaway. The slaves are freed, but they still have to row as the mega Yuji's attack the pirate town in an orgy of violence and random random animal parts. Uh, giraffe pirate Yuji, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> <laughs> our guys, he was so awesome. yeah, our guys get away on the ship. They check the hold below in the ship to find a nuclear cruise
1: missile. Oh. Yeah, so I love I love the like um, the plot situation that goes on here. It's like, oh, we were going up and down the coast of some place called California, mm-hmm. and they were trading ancient artifacts. What do you think a nuclear armed warhead is? It's a good <laughs> it's like, question. Right. Next episode, the tide turns. God, just a nuclear bomb. There you go, man. Hey, that'll solve some of your problems.
0: <laughs> We're both anti and pro nuclear weapons in 2000 AD. This month, it's like commercials <laughs> for a super. It's like Superman, Superman candy cigarettes, and Superman anti-smoking ads in the same product.
1: Oh my God! <laughs> the, the real question is, will Meltdown Man end the way it began?
0: Oh man, this guy's finally gonna melt. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Why does he melt?
0: <laughs> but that takes us to... Oh, my God. Thrill 6, Nemesis the Warlock.
1: you oh, yeah! it our beautiful world was called Terra.
0: <laughs> Script robot I, Pat I, Mills, so. art robot Kev O'Neill, lettering robot Steve Potter. Sorry.
1: No, no. I just... I love this whole... There's just this biblical page and mm-hmm. it even has like the just like, the beautiful artwork on the side of the page i forget what it's called like gold leaf or, yeah, or like something like the, the, the like
0: illuminated borders or something like that yeah
1: yeah illumination you're right
0: Yeah, man, that's what you know. That's the hallmark of Nemesis the Warlock is just like Kev O'Neill going real crazy. Not just with the art itself, but the things that go around it, that go around the edges of the art. That, like you know, making this all look like a big medieval manuscript and stuff that really make Nemesis one of these, especially these early Nemesis is one of these stories that really look looks like nothing else anywhere. You know,
1: really, goddamn, it looks beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> much and it's just like you're in this scene as this like Templar knight slash like religious figure wields an axe above like this what looks to be an adorable llama
0: (laughs) sort of a grey times a llama basically
1: yeah, just ready to lop off its head, screaming yeah, death to all aliens. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And the biblical text sort of gives us some backstory we didn't have previously about sort of there's this, you know, the uh, humans in Torquemada were part of this termite empire. And that sort of is a shortening of like mighty Terra, basically. So this is sort of future Earth, which we had, didn't have a confirmation of previously. And uh, yeah, man, it's big far future termites wiping out all the aliens, starting with the nearby fringe worlds.
1: Oh, I just wanted to give mention in that same beheading section, mm-hmm. there's, just to give extra evil, the guy in the bottom left corner is holding open a bag, pulling out like a little tiny adorable baby alien to get him. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like the size of a hand.
0: No, these guys are so evil. It's, it's great, man. We go yeah. to the, uh, the planet Thrum, which is a fringe world planet full of a uh, hybrid plant. Uh, pixie type aliens, I'd like say. Dryads
1: and things yeah. like that. they
0: remind me a lot of the fairies from uh from A Midsummer Night's Dream. I'd say. Oh
1: yeah, because they're yeah, all
0: because they're all named after their plant after the same kind of plants and stuff that that those fairies are named after. You know, mm. cobweb, mo- uh, uh, moss, and mustard seed, all that stuff. Um, and they really remind me of, or they look really similar to, uh, the, to what like Charlie Vess would draw in that fame, in a Sandman number 19, which is like the, the Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, Sandman oh, comic, yeah. which Dude, is, Sandman's so good, yeah, man. And that's just, you know, one of the best ones. If you don't know mm-hmm. that one, it's in the dream country, uh, trade paperback and you owe it to yourself to check it out. Like, I mean, you know. <laughs> Neil Gaiman's going to be in 2080 for a little bit, but that's some of his best
1: work. Oh, yeah. Sandman is, like, tops. I don't even read that much comic, and fuck. (laughs) I mean, obviously, I do.
0: (laughs) Anyhow, the silver ships are coming. They're these giant murder vessel of the Termite Empire. Leading the ships is Brother Behel, a powerful war leader and would-be successor to Torquemada. He has uh,
1: cleansed five planets already. Yeah,
0: he arrives on the planet and finds that it's full of humans. But Behel is suspicious because, like, it's there's no kids, there's no old people. It's just sort of, uh, you know, bright, happy, young human people. So he decide he grabs the leader uh, and decides he he grabs the leader of these people, Eye Bright, and puts her to the test.
1: Dude, they have this giant car that they wheel out, which is just a, if you look at it, it's like a, it's almost like a scale on wheels. Yeah. And there's just a guy in the back with controls, and it's for just dipping people in water.
0: Yeah, it's, it's old, it's just sort of modern versions of old school witch finding stuff. You know, it's a witch yeah. dunker. You get dunked, if you drown, you're human, and if you live, you're an alien. Buddy, she's an alien and that means it's time to cleanse and purify these deviants
1: oh man with torquemada's shadow just looming in the background yeah
0: next time behel in hell
1: Ooh. man i'm so excited for all this nemesis stuff i feel like some Kratos gonna happen yeah nemesis proc.
0: hasn't even shown up yet it's gonna be so cool so man excited. next month oh, oh okay one last thing here fox uh thrill 7 tharg the mighty uh, art robot ian Gibson is a g as a g twerk Loretta robot tony jacob and this is i believe our first thrill 7 in a regular prog since august 1980 mm. uh, tharg is visiting the planet xandars to witness the annual tickling of the guji bird it's you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, there's some good alien crowd scenes here by Gibson, and it looks like he's just sort of traveling with Bert and the Tom Framebot. The tickling's basically Groundhog Day. The bird, You know, the- you tickle the bird. If it squawks thrice, it's going to be a good year. Otherwise, it's-, it's a disaster.
1: It's not great, I guess. Let's tickle a bird.
0: Listen, I was going to make fun of this, but then I realized that, that that we do a bunch of Groundhog Day things here in America, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I could throw stones. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the dictators of Zrag, of course, intervened. They hit Tharg with a nightmare inducer.
1: It gets all sleepy.
0: Yeah, Tharg's knocked out. He gets stuck in an evil dream world as the tickling ceremony commences. It seems like these that in nightmares, at least Tharg's usual god moding doesn't work very well. And as a Zandarian doctor pronounces, "There's no more they can do." Tharg faces off against some evil dream monsters. If he dies in his dream, he dies for real. Next time, <laughs> Hell's bells.
1: It actually said he dies for real.
0: Yeah, I, that that that's a direct quote. I love,
1: it. I love it when someone gets to pull out that. Like, if he dies in the game, he dies for real. If he dies in the soup, he dies for real.
0: Totally. Yeah, th- that's what I always love about the movie Inception, was that they just made it that that's you leave the dream when they kill you. It's not this sort of usual, like, die in the dream, die in real life kind of thing. Because, like, yeah. I die in my dreams periodically, and it doesn't kill me. I'm just saying, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's, that's actually kind of comforting about the whole fucking excursion. Yeah
0: so fox oh geez oh man we're reached the end of july 1981 what are your top and bottom thrills
1: i mean fuck dude uh it's it's fairly easy for me to do top once again top spot goes directly to strontium dog fucking strong strong showing strong finish strong mm-hmm. everything strontium dog Mm-hmm. i just like we talked about it a little bit but yeah. like i love johnny alpha I love Wolf. I love the grunk. I can't (laughs) wait for more. Um, it's, I'm really excited for the next couple issues just because it's going to be so thrill packed. Yeah, definitely. So that just adds to the flavor. Anyway, it was a really great ending. Uh, comparatively, especially recently, we've had some like really weird endings. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it it gets my top spot. Great job guys. Awesome. You're good. How about Um, bottom? Bottom man. I don't know. Um, I didn't, I didn't super hate uh, Mean Arena, right? Like, because mm-hmm. that's always been the weakest. And, and kind of like what we were talking about previous to this was, you know, I it's kind of just a change in thing. We can't just kind of keep holding on to, like, why isn't this a blank?
0: Yeah. And uh,
1: I feel like it's doing really well, but at the same time, um,. I feel the same about uh, Meltdown, man, like it's getting super weird, yeah, uh so you know I'm gonna go with the rare future shocks like whatever I could have done without them this month mm uh but they weren't terrible, like nothing was bad, it was all good,
0: yeah that's a that's a good uh a a, a, a good assessment I'd say,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, for me, yeah, I'd say, you know, Team Dog, of course, just for everything we've talked about over the last couple months, you know, this is just real high country for Team Dog. You know, you got to check this out. You got to see it. It's like the best. Mm-hmm. I can't it really is. at this point. There's nothing more to add almost. <laughs> um <laughs> For me, for my bottom, um, you know, I don't like to put Future Shocks in the bottom. Um, yeah. Just because they're sort of, you know, they just have less space to work with and are more sort of there as filler and stuff like that. Although, man, that um h- henpecked Henry one I found to be pretty reprehensible, <laughs> I got to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too, man.
0: Um, I'm going to say, for me, I'm going to go Meltdown Man this month, I'd say. All right um i'm not digging these super yuji's it just kind of feels like let's create a new threat yeah. that wasn't really necessary i guess and like i really w- you know and i i don't like how ill-treated those rhino guys were i really like those rhino guys yeah. and they both got killed and all my yuji pirates got killed too like i don't know
1: yeah, it's definitely getting into like the rushed phase of something, or it's gone on too yeah. long. No, it's definitely,
0: it it's definitely in it. Yeah, we're definitely in the final acts of Meltdown Man, so it is kind of getting to the point where they're like, "All right, let's just start clearing things out and stuff." You know, I'm still angry about King Seth being killed last episode. I will remain angry about that for quite some time. Oh man, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> I just like an evil snake, dude. That's literally a snake. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> and and he wasn't and he was conniving, right? Like yeah. he wasn't Lee Shar, I'm just evil for the sake of being bad news. Yeah. Like he had a little bit more character like, oh fuck, I've got to like switch sides real
0: quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Cobra Commander feels. Anyhow.
1: Oh, fuck yeah, buddy.
0: I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can always find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at Kratiline.com. Feel free to contact us at SpaceSpinner2000 at gmail.com, or in the 2080 forums, our Facebook, or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages. On Twitter we're at SpaceSpinner2K. For everything else, just look up SpaceSpinner2000. We should be there.
1: Hell yeah!
0: Come back next time, Fox. Oh my God! As oh. Johnny Alpha returns, Meltdown Man ends. Nemesis is unmasked, and Judge Death lives. Oh fuck yeah, bud! Until next time, I'm Conrad. He's Fox, and we are SpaceSpinner2000. Spun Dig Birth Rig. Dig
1: Rig.